Nehemiah chapter 6, Nehemiah chapter 6, and uh, we'll get there in just a moment. Um, just uh, wanted to mention uh, something about camp. I think it's about that time of year, <laughs> just right around the corner. It'll be here before you know it. And uh, each and every year, uh, uh, quite a few of you uh, guys um, either uh, host like a work project or something like that. And uh, so just want to uh, let you know that uh, that's still open. Uh, if you have any uh, work that you'd like any of the teens to do, uh, I'd like to, I think it'd be great to get started even in the middle of April, uh, as soon as that, uh, maybe even earlier if, if the Lord allows. Uh, but uh, it, it can be something small, just an hour's of work, or it can be up to a whole day's work. Uh, you could even use just one or two teens, or you could use the whole group. Uh, but uh, just uh, it's a big help each and every year uh, when you guys do that. And uh, some of you guys give as well uh, just in the offering plate. And what a blessing it is. And I know the teens appreciate it. And as it, it starts to come, gets closer, uh, I encourage you to pray for them. Uh, I think uh, we have about 25 signed up right now to go. A, a good group, I think. And uh, so just pray now that uh, the Lord would begin to open up their hearts, prepare them in a way, and, uh, and it'll be a good week there. And they'll hear a lot of preaching and, uh, and some good life-making uh, decisions. They'll have the opportunity to make good life-changing decisions there. So uh, if you would begin to do that, that'd be such a blessing. Nehemiah chapter 6, and uh, we're going to read um, verses 1 through 9. I was told I only had 10 minutes tonight, so, oh boy, <laughs> I'll try to do that. Uh, well, we'll see. Um, it shouldn't be too difficult here. Uh, uh, so, uh, Nehemiah chapter 6, 1 through 9, and uh, I'll go ahead and read those there for us this evening. It says, Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at the time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem said unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I said, and I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work, so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease, whilst I leave it, and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. Then sent Sanballat his servant unto me in like manner the fifth time with an open letter in his hand, wherein was written, It is reported among the heathen, and Geshmu saith it, that thou and the Jews think to rebel, for which cause thou buildest the wall, that thou mayest be their king, according to these words. And thou hast also appointed prophets to preach uh, of thee at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah, and now shall it be reported to the king according to these words. Come now, therefore, and let us take counsel together. Then I sent unto them, saying, There are no such things done as thou sayest, but thou uh, feignest them out of thine own heart. For they all made us afraid, saying, Their hand shall be weakened from the work, that it be not done. Now, therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Let's pray really quick. Lord, thank you for this uh, evening, the beautiful day you blessed us with. Lord, I do pray that during this time that you would give me the words to say, uh, keep me calm, Lord. And, and most importantly, I do pray that uh, uh, we would uh, gain something from your word and that uh, we would grow, grow thereby. In your name, amen. 
The title of the message uh, today is uh, No, Not Today. No, Not Today. Mark it down and never forget it, Christian, that when you determine that you're going to live a life that is honoring to the Lord, you are going to face opposition. You are going to face persecution in your life. The Christian life is never promised to be easy. The Bible tells us that. 2 Corinthians 3.12, it says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Boy, that sounds really encouraging, doesn't it? And uh, it's like, sign me up for that. I can't wait to, to join in the fight and to, to, to experience persecution. I can't wait to experience uh, people tearing me apart, Satan stomping on my head, you know, and said no one ever, right? Well, we're not excited about that. We're not excited about hearing a verse like that. It's like, if I want to live godly for Christ, I'm going to experience persecution. I'm going to experience opposition, of course. It's not anybody's desire is to experience something like that. But doesn't God give us grace? Even as was mentioned this morning, in a way, God does give us grace uh, when we need it the most. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.1, it says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I'm thankful for that grace. When I need that strength, that extra boost, when I'm going through a difficult time, God gives that to us. God gives us strength. Isaiah chapter 40, 29, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, He increases strength. He gives us hope. He gives us joy. He gives us peace. Romans fifteen thirteen. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And certainly many more things God gives us, doesn't He? especially when we need it, when we cry out to him. And uh, he gives us these things on a day-to-day basis so we can endure on a day-to-day basis. Plus, on top of that, the most encouraging part, if you're saved today, you have a home in heaven. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. And we have an, oppor- uh, an opportunity, to, yes, to live this life for God, but it's not just now. We get to live for an eternity in heaven. So that gives us hope, that gives us encouragement, that gives us a happiness, a joy that passes all understanding. Romans 8.18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Whatever you may be going through in your Christian life is bearable. It's bearable when you think about the grace, the strength, the peace that God gives you. It's bearable when you think about your home in heaven one day, where you get to be in the presence of God, that makes it bearable. You know, I'm thinking of, no doubt, there's many throughout history who have stood faithful to the end. Many people who said, no, not today. I'm not going to give up on my fight today. Uh, When Satan attacked them hard, when when trials came along, uh, whatever it might have been, small or great, they didn't give up. They remained faithful to the Lord. And uh, from pastors to missionaries, Sunday school teachers, thankful for faithful Sunday school teachers. I was just reminded about a month ago of a, Sunday, of a couple Sunday school teachers that are still at it today from when I came here, I don't know, 23 years ago. And praise the Lord for that. We need faithful Sunday school teachers, faithful church members, uh, people to just stand in the gap. 
And I'm not just talking about faithfulness in a specific area. Obviously, God calls us to different places. God may call us to anywhere. But faithfulness and sticking with God in your Christian walk and choosing to rather endure and, to, and, and choosing to not take the easy path all the time, uh, but rather just get strength from God and uh, just keep pressing on for God. I'm so thankful for the many faithful people. How about you, Christian? Will you quit? When tough times come, when discouragements in one way or another, uh, uh, whatever it might be, are you going to press on? Are you going to keep going? I think if I were to ask if there was a time where you wanted to quit, I think each and every one of us would raise our hand. Uh, uh, there has been times when life gets difficult, and it, doesn't, it can be a numerous amount of things, but are you going to press on for the Lord? Nehemiah here in our text is definitely one person that pressed on. And I believe that we can learn some valuable lessons from this man's life. You see, I, I believe that uh, Nehemiah um, had a life that was, from the beginning, rooted in God. Uh, it was deep in God, I believe. And uh, his prayer life is evident of this. Even in the first chapter, you can see uh, the seriousness of his prayer to God. And on every time that he was tempted, in one way or another, first thing that he did was go to God in prayer. And just like any other Christian, he faced much opposition for what the Lord laid on his heart. Uh, but because of that closeness that he had with God, he was able to uh, endure the storm. Uh, the last verse of chapter 1 uh, tells us that Nehemiah uh, was the cupbearer uh, to King Artaxerxes. And just a little bit of a, a leading up to where we are, I'll, I'll be quick, I think. Uh, uh, but it, being the cupbearer uh, uh, to the king was, in a sense, a good job. Uh, I think uh, he probably anybody would love to have that position. Now, it was a dangerous job, no doubt, uh, because well, his job was to basically make sure that his drinks weren't poisoned or anything, or food, I believe, as well. Uh, but it was a great job to have. And with that job, I believe that he heard a lot of the big news that was going on. And uh, not directly, I don't think. I don't think he was involved with the... Uh, with the big meetings that the king held or whatever, but, uh, but I think maybe just the ins and outs of him going, he probably heard some things, probably heard some of the news uh, that was uh, going on, and he happened to hear about the situation that was happening in Jerusalem. And even though he wasn't experiencing what was going on personally in Jerusalem, God placed upon him a huge burden for that people probably would have been difficult for some to have this burden. And uh, why do I say that? You know, um, just the shoes that he was in, the job that he had. Uh, uh, maybe uh, for some of us, I mean, you think about the luxury of being with the king really close. For somebody to get uh, like a burden for the people, it was like, oh no, was God going to call me there? Uh, I don't want to go. I don't want to leave the comforts of my home here. And, uh, but um, I'm sure many, yes, we'd love, we'd love to have that job, but what would you do in a situation like that? God gives you a burden, maybe God calls you to move away, uh, what would you do? And, and uh, just as a, a little uh, side note here, you know, uh, Nehemiah, the position that he had, did not 
affect uh, God's will in his life. He was still sensitive to God's will. And can we sometimes become comfortable with life? I think we can. Uh, I become comfortable with life, no doubt. And we like what we do. Uh, We like what we get paid. Uh, We like the house that we live in. Uh, We like the family that we live close by. And uh, we would call that our comfort zone, wouldn't we? And uh, uh, we like where we are at with life. And the idea that I am set for life, that's pretty encouraging to me. That's pretty encouraging to probably some of us here as well. And that we don't have to worry about too much. But uh, I want to encourage you today, it's just like I said, a side note, is to do not sink your roots too deep in your life. Don't sink them too deep. And that's not to say that God doesn't want you to stay where you're at. That doesn't mean that whatsoever. There's many people, like I said, that have been here for a long time, and I believe that God would have you to stay here. But we go back to, hey, we're looking forward to heaven one day. This world isn't my home. I'm not going to plant my roots deep. I'm going to do whatever God wants me to do. I'm going to be available. God may call you to step out of your comfort zone one way or another. To do this or to do that, it could be something small as just witnessing to somebody, or it could be something big calling you to a ministry somewhere, whatever it might be, will you obey? Nehemiah wanted to help. Nehemiah wanted to obey. He didn't care about his awesome job that he had. Uh, He wanted to go do God's will. If you look back with me to uh, chapter 1, and just a couple pages back there, in verse 4, Immediately when Nehemiah heard this news, uh, he began to fall on his knees and pray, asking God to help him. I'll just read a couple verses here. You can, you can almost feel his passion for this. And verse 4, it says, And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thy eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servant, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. And he goes on to the end of the chapter there. I won't read any more, but you can sense that, right? I mean, the first verse, he fasted, he wept, he prayed for his people, the people that God placed a burden for him to reach. He prayed that, Lord, please forgive them of their sins that they've committed. Whatever it was that caused them to get in this situation, Lord, please. And Lord, I imagine that he asked the Lord, give me an opportunity to go help. And he wanted to do that. He had a desire to do that. And he also prayed that God would give him favor with the king to grant him permission to go do this. And it was about four months later or so uh, that request was answered for him. No doubt Nehemiah's heart was heavy during this time. You can imagine right away his heart's heavy. We have to wait for four months. I mean, that could have been a really tough situation to be in. And no doubt, Nehemiah's heart was heavy. No doubt, there was many sleepless nights for him. 
thinking about this, thinking about the, the destruction that uh, Jerusalem was going through and uh, the frustration, the holding back the tears. But then we come to the turning point, and in chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of the heart. Then I was very sore afraid, and said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? So, uh-oh, he's caught. He's caught being sad in the, uh, the presence of the king, and uh, being a cupbearer, you didn't want to show any type of emotions like that, because it was a sign that, okay, something's wrong. You know, something was going on here. Maybe uh, something was poisoned. And it probably in a situation like that, uh, he may have been persecuted for that or, or put to death, punished for that situation. But uh, God answered a prayer for him. Nehemiah explained himself, and uh, God answered that prayer. And uh, the king, uh, after four months, uh, uh, God answered the prayer by allowing the king uh, to give Nehemiah uh, charge, number one, over the country, uh, Judah there, he was governor, but also allowing him to go and help. The king understood through all that. And this is really just the beginning of what God was going to do through this man. I know I, I said a lot leading up to it, and and uh, part of it was because, you know, if I don't do a long introduction, my sermons would be very quick. But anyways, uh, as I said before, anytime you desire to do what's right, to live for God, to do His will, opposition, persecution, or whatever, will come. And you can count on it. And that's what Nehemiah faced right away. And that's what he faced in our text there. And uh, uh, Nehemiah knew that in order for the city to survive, he had to build that wall, uh, the walls around the city. And it, it took about 52 days, but boy, that was a long 52 days. Uh, uh, just persecution, opposition, left and right. This man went through it all. And through all of this, I believe Nehemiah sets an excellent example for us to not quit no matter what no matter what we may face. A few things really quick here that I see from this passage here, Nehemiah chapter 6, that I want to show you, I believe will motivate us to not give up on the Lord, no matter what it is. Whether it's a small thing, whether it's a big thing, uh, just to stay in the fight. And I believe these are, are motivation to me. I hope it's a motivation to you. Number one, by daily, if we do this, by daily realizing that the devil doesn't take a day off. Realize that. By daily realizing that the devil doesn't take a day off, and neither should you. Hopefully you realize that an actual day off isn't a bad thing. I love my day off. Uh, but to spiritually take a day off, it's a very dangerous thing to do. Very dangerous. 
And Ephesians chapter 6, I think this will be one of the last passages we'll turn to, but if you could turn there very quick, Ephesians chapter 6. And if you know that passage well, the armor of God, and before it talks about the armor, it it, uh, um, mentions a little bit why we need this armor. Ephesians chapter 6 and, and verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness and high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So we see there that we're not, we're not fighting any physical thing here. Uh, we're fighting the devil. We're fighting somebody that doesn't take a day off. And if it's talking about how, how serious of a matter this is, I believe this is a daily thing, that we need to not take a day off spiritually or else we might be defeated. We fight the devil daily, don't we, in a spiritual warfare? And uh, I, I, hopefully you realize that. I, and number one, I think if you're not living God, uh, right with God, you're not living a godly life, you might not experience this. But if you're surely living godly, striving to do everything you can for Christ, this is going to be a daily battle for you because Satan is going to try to get you to slip up. That's why it's important for us to be strong in the Lord, to put on the armor of God, not to leave a piece off at all, to die to ourselves daily, to take up our cross and follow Him. See, we aren't fighting some wimp here. We're fighting somebody that doesn't take a day off. And He can and will overtake you and force you into quitting your walk with God if you are not prepared. Nehemiah's enemies throughout this whole book uh, are Sanballat, Tobiah, and um, Geshem of of Arab. I like to call them the three stooges here. And uh, basically, they were tools in the devil's hand. They were used as that. Uh, They were men against Jerusalem, particularly. That's why they tried to get Nehemiah to stop doing what he was doing and uh, to to stop building the wall to come down because they were against that nation. And I believe that these men tell us three important things about Satan that we need to watch out for. Number one, Satan is subtle. Satan is subtle. Boy, is he tricky. That's what that means. He's a tricky guy. He will use just about anything and anyone who is not filled with God to bring down a Christian who is filled with God, who is striving to live for him. These three men were being used by Satan to get Nehemiah to quit. The Bible warns us about false prophets uh, who are uh, basically they look like sheep on the outside, but are wolves on the inside. I believe these men were probably looked like normal dudes. They, they probably looked completely harmless, but I believe they were tools in the devil's hand at that time. Uh, uh, Ephesians 6.11 tells us to put on the armor uh, to protect us from the wiles of the devil. The word wiles is basically another word for tricks. He's a skilled devil. He's a cunning devil. Be careful who or what influences you. 
Sometimes those things or people we think are completely regular Joes, regular people, uh, harmless people could turn out to be the ones that will bring you down. Sometimes those harmless things, objects that we might have in, in our daily lives could turn out to be the very thing that takes you down, that causes you to quit. That's why we need to use good godly discretion and wisdom. Ask God for it and he will show you. Number two about Satan, Satan is persistent. Satan is persistent. He's not going to give up on a Christian that's living for God. If you read, and I won't read it again, but verses 1 through 4, what does it say? Uh, In fact, let me find it really quick. Uh, In verse 4, in fact, it says, Yet they sent unto me four times. Four times. They did that four times, the same thing, trying to get him to come down. After two, surely I would have thought that they would stop and have gotten the hint, but they didn't. Uh, They kept on going four times. They were persistent. And then uh, the fifth time, even, in verse 5, and I'm sure many more times they did that. But the devil won't stop on you. If you're living for the Lord, the devil won't stop on you. It's a daily thing. Until the day you die, Christian, you're going to be tempted. You're going to be oppressed. You're going to be persecuted. You name it, but don't quit. Don't give up. You may have times you fall. Well, get back up. Don't throw in the towel. Hang in there. And then number three, Satan uses an array of attacks. Satan uses an array of attacks. If one thing won't work, you can guarantee Satan will try something else to get you to quit. His arrows come in all different shapes and all different sizes. Notice the first four times the enemy just tried to get Nehemiah to come down from his work to meet them in the plane of, oh no. Well, four times Nehemiah said, oh no, I won't do that. Because he knew that they were trying to do harm to his work. Notice the fifth time is a different tactic. Uh, Sanballat pretending, you see the trickery here as well, uh, to be a helpful friend offering to help Nehemiah with a situation that arose where a letter was found that was accusing Nehemiah of planning to overthrow the king and become the king himself. Uh, You see the trickery, you see the lies, you see just about everything in there. And then you see a different tactic here as well. But obviously, Nehemiah said, oh no, once again to that. The point is here, do you realize that there is an enemy out there that's doing everything that he can to get you to walk away from God? No matter what it is. It doesn't have to be a big thing, Christian. It can just be a, a little sliver underneath the finger that just irritates you and might cause you to walk out of church, might cause you to quit your job uh, that you have in the church, your ministry, whatever it might be, but we can't, we can't give up so easily. We've got to keep fighting. That's why the Bible tells us to be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil's as a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. If that verse doesn't say enough, he is a lion, he's powerful, he's dangerous, and we need to be careful. Uh, he is not going to give up, and neither should we give up as well. Number two, Roman, Roman numeral number two, not quitting motivates others not to quit. Not quitting motivates others not to quit. There is nothing like a good motivational speech, right? 
I mean, whether it's a political candidate getting the crowd excited about something that they're going to do for their country when I'm president, or, or maybe it's a sports team that they're losing at halftime, and, and you have the halftime right there in the locker room, and the captain of the coach steps up and gives this awesome motivational speech, and they come out and beat the team. Whatever it might be, uh, we love those times. Motivational speeches get us going, get us moving, get us excited. I believe Nehemiah was a motivator. If you have done any extensive study on the book of Nehemiah, you'll find that a lot of commentators, authors, uh, compare him to a great leader. I have a book that uh, is a bunch of just leadership points from uh, that book of Nehemiah. It's a great book and a lot that you can learn from that. And and, uh, one thing, though, about a leader or a motivator is that they do not quit. The position Nehemiah was in as a leader and getting this wall built was very important and needed to be taken seriously. Could you imagine if Nehemiah were to quit? I think everybody else would have quit as well, right? You know, whether you realize it or not, people look to you in one area or another as a leader, as an example. I tell the teens this all the time, and no doubt it's the same for the adults as well. The impact that you can have on someone just by your actions is incredible. Just by showing up to church, you encourage somebody. Just by doing simple, small things, you want to believe the impact that you have on people. Uh, The world looks at Christians. We're supposed to set an example to them, aren't we? I don't want them to see me quit on God. Your children look to you. I don't want them to see me quit on God. Even here in our church, from teens setting an example to the younger kids, to adults setting an example to the teens and lower. Don't quit on God, but rather encourage or better yet, set the example of one who fights for the Lord, sticks in there, lives for the Lord, and doesn't give up. And as others see that fight in you, they are motivated to do the same for the Lord. Number three, God doesn't quit on you. God doesn't quit on you. And I believe this is the best reason yet because we have a God that is more powerful than Satan and is on our side and uh, who will not quit on you in any situation. Remember I said Nehemiah was rooted in God before? It was true. Remember I said how he prayed. Every instance that came up, we see Nehemiah praying. And uh, he had that powerful relationship with God. And any time that he was in trouble or uh, was tempted to step down or to give up, he prayed. He talked to God, the one that was able to defeat Satan. And whenever Satan throws an arrow his way, Nehemiah, he threw an arrow of prayer right back at him. Ultimately, it wasn't Nehemiah's strength alone that caused him to keep on building But God was behind the scenes giving him the strength each and every day. I want to encourage you today as a child of God who can go to your father in prayer at any time. He he doesn't shoo you off. You don't have to uh, leave a message or play phone tag or anything like that. Uh, You can go to him at any time, even during those seasons of temptation, talk to him, And he helps you. He gives you strength. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Certainly great points here. And I'll just end with this. 
And uh, I certainly do not know what you're going through in your personal life. I don't need to know what you're going through in your personal life. Uh, But I have seen, uh, just from things here and there, sometimes Christians giving up in certain areas, and it's discouraging. It really is. And uh, I, I just don't think it ought to be. We have a God that's on our side that is able to overcome anything that we have in our life. Why We don't have an excuse to give up on God. And, and there could be some in here going through a tough time spiritually. I understand. I, I honestly understand. I've gone through those times before. There could be some people that are on the fence. I can't say that I haven't been there before. Maybe you're on the fence. You're to that point where the devil thinks he got you. Whatever situation you might be in, uh, it's not worth it to give up on God. Because God, he doesn't give up on you. Whatever situation you find yourself in, realize that God gives you grace. God gives you strength and help in time of need. And his desire for you, just as it was for Nehemiah, is for you to press on, to not give up, finish strong, finish the work that you started, and uh, look forward to that home in heaven that you have one day. Will you say, no, not today, with me today? I hope you will. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. I do thank you for this opportunity that you've given me to preach, Lord. And I do pray that this sunk in in some way or another uh, for the people here. And Lord, it was such a challenge to me. And I do pray that as as, uh, difficulties do come, that uh, we would not just give up, but we would look to you. We would find strength in you to keep on pressing on in our life. Lord, I pray that you would bless this invitation. In your name, amen.